to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood and made us a kingdom and priests to God his Father, to him be the glory and power forever. Amen. The word of God guiding our meditation this evening is found in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 13 to 20. The Father rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, things seen and unseen, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and all things hold together in him. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in all things he might have the highest rank. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus could have denied it, or at least deflected, when Pilate asked that question. Do I look like any kind of king of the Jews? I'd hardly be standing here before you like this if I were. Or, well, yes, it is true that some of my fellow Jews have seen me as a king. There was a whole crowd of them on Sunday, but I've never publicly made that claim for myself. It's flattering, but I can't really stop them from thinking or saying whatever they're going to think or say. What is for sure is that it would make no sense for me to encourage them, since it's obvious Caesar rules here and the Roman Empire isn't going away anytime soon. Those would have been safer answers. A different man might even have hoped that they would convince Pilate he, he wasn't any threat so that he would treat him better or maybe even release him. But Christ knew that there was no escaping the cross that awaited him. And even more, he understood that this was no time to dodge or deflect. It was the time instead for full confession, not in pride or defiance, but to set the record straight. The man the Jewish leaders had brought to Pilate for execution the man the governor would soon have so casually flogged, the man who would be turned over to be crucified despite a declaration of innocence, this man was not some simple Galilean who had run afoul of the authorities. He was, in truth, their sovereign, the heir of David, the king of the Jews. But of course, his real identity did not match well with the reality of his situation. As far as anyone could see, Jesus ruled nothing and no one. He had no throne, no army, no crown of gold, no loyal subjects, no palace. He didn't even own any property. Now, in a fairy tale or, or novel, this would be the moment for the great reveal when he says, I am the king! 
And excited supporters would step forward and subdue his enemies and seat him on his throne. But this was his passion. And instead of glory, respect, or power, he received only indifference, abuse, and suffering. But none of what he endured after his confession negated his claim to be and his identity as the king of the Jews. His power and authority were simply harder to see in his humble state. And even more difficult to see in Christ's passion was the kingship that we just read about in Colossians. Paul here is not writing about Jesus in his humility, but in his divinity and glory. This was hidden while he lived on earth among us, completing his mission, with just little hints of it visible when he did his miracles and and at his transfiguration. But it was still just as real and just as true as, as before his incarnation and after his exaltation. And just as we might kind of wish that Christ had called upon his divine power and authority as the one who has in all things the highest rank and and used it to, to teach a lesson to all those who would so arrogantly and evilly oppose him with lightning and smoke and thunder, well, we also sometimes wish that he would more readily and powerfully display his lordship over all the universe to silence scoffers today and to show the world that he is on our side. This this is where faith comes in. Not just faith that believes Jesus is the beloved Son of God and King of creation, but faith that trusts his love and wisdom. Trusts that both his action and his apparent inaction in our world are all working together for our good. The unequivocal and unmistakable demonstration of his divine power and authority can wait until Judgment Day, because in the meantime, his ruling of the world is all for us. It is interesting that here in Colossians 1, Paul does not make the distinction that he makes elsewhere between Christ's work done in his humiliation and that done in his exaltation. He treats it all as one glorious and gracious purpose. And of course, it is. Yes, it it was the, the humble, fleshly Jesus who shed his blood on the cross. But it was the Son of God in all his fullness whose sacrifice counted to make peace between us sinners and the holy and righteous God. Yes, it was the Son of Man who suffered and died in our place for our sins, but He did and endured it all in order to bring us out of the domain of darkness and into His kingdom of light. We can have absolute confidence that Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection were sufficient and effective to secure our redemption and the forgiveness of our sins because we know who He is truly and eternally. The Lamb of God who sacrifices Himself to take away the sins of the world, which includes you and me, 
The Lamb of God is, is not some hapless victim of conspiracy or circumstance, but is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation and before all things, and all things hold together in Him. Such a Savior succeeds. For who could oppose or stop Him? Through Christ our King, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, we who were God's enemies have been reconciled to the Creator we rebelled against. And bringing us into His kingdom was never intended to be a one-time get-em-over-the-border-and-be-done-with-it mission. Having made us His people, His body, the church, Jesus continues to rule not just over us, but to rule over all the world for us. Paul expresses this joyfully in Ephesians 1. God raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and above every name that is given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under His feet and made Him head over everything for the church. The church is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. This joyous reality that we are ruled by Christ who also rules the world for us gives each of us a new and special identity as His people. But it also moves each of us to embrace that rule in our lives. We do not just have Jesus as our Lord and King. We want and love Him as our Lord and King. The one who brought us peace with God through the blood of His cross is the one that we want to have the highest rank in our hearts and minds every day and in every way. So we gladly and eagerly submit to His authority. Because we know that whatever God's will for us is, is what is best for us. And we let His Word guide our words and our walking, our, our deeds and our thinking, our choices and our feeling. We willingly, set, we willingly set aside the desires of our flesh for the will of the Lord who loves us so much. And we seek to please Him in all that we think and do and say because that is what thankful subjects of the great King of light and love do. And because that is the example He Himself set for us. As in submitting to His heavenly Father's will, He submitted to the corrupted authority of his Jewish enemies, submitted to the misrule and bad judgment of Pilate, and submitted to the torment and disgrace of, of crucifixion, even to death. Such a Savior we will happily submit to in all things. How could we not? We do this because we know who he is, and we know who we are, 
despite what the world might think it sees and knows. When we perceive our Lord in His passion, He he might not look like a king. But even at the lowest point of His suffering, that's what He was. And that's what He is for us always and eternally. And this is who we are. The ones the Father rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We are happily, wisely, perfectly, joyfully. We are ruled by Christ, our crucified, risen, and endlessly exalted King. Amen. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.